the love interest of Wang. <laughs> <laughs> you have to leave that. We're children. <laughs> We're children. <laughs> Wang. Welcome to Take 303, powered by Fort Way Media, the podcast with the guy who knows a lot about film. And his friend. <laughs> what happened? I'm sorry, what do you mean doing this? It's what happened. Welcome to Take 303, powered by Fort Way Media, the podcast with the guy who knows a lot about film. And his friend. I'm Nick Molinari. I'm JP Brooks. Today we're talking film and television, and today we're talking about Extraction 2 and Big Trouble in Little China. Extraction 2, uh, directed by Sam Hargrave and starring Chris Hemsworth. Extraction 2, surprise, surprise, picks up where Extraction 1 left off with Cribs Hemworth's character, Tyler, extremely injured and has to spend months of rehabilitation before he has, he's offered a job to go back into the field to rescue a family that's been imprisoned with their father after a special arrangement. Chris Hemsworth goes in, tries to rescue the family. However, things don't go as planned as complications arise. You sound very excited about this. I mean, it was good. The whole prison was great. Like, the whole prison scene, I'm down to watch that again. Because that was a commercial for it. I'm like, wow, this movie's going to be awesome. I just stopped caring, Nick. You know what I mean? Like, viewer at home. This is just John Wick, Australian version. Right? Like, John Wick with some teammates. Basically, yeah. I did get a lot of John Wick vibes from it. Now, did you see Extraction 1 at all? No. Why would I watch? The good news is I can say this. It's like Extraction 2 and Extraction 1 just, like, hold their own and aren't dependent on, like, this other movie to come out. It's, like, weird. <clears throat> and I don't... It's almost like I could have watched this movie not know anything about Extraction 1 and I put the pieces together. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. That is a conversation that we've been having for a few weeks now. Oh, I... <laughs> I don't know if I've been having the conversation. Everybody else in the world is, but Whatever. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it is, it is nice when a movie can stand on its own and not depend on the first movie. So it's it's something I couldn't do. I couldn't walk into a sequel and not see the first movie. I would feel like I'm missing something, but do you feel like you, you missed anything? No. Guy got hurt. I mean, you could, if I didn't know it was the second movie, you could have just started with, he falls into water. And the one thing that you don't sort of understand is like, Clearly, he has a relationship with these characters already, and you know them from the first film. You know, it's it's not like this big mystery. Ooh, who's this brother and sister? Hmm, what are they? Clearly, they work together. Okay, so I'm just going to give you a quick run-through of Extraction 1, sure. and you can double-check if can, you Can if I you try missed. to guess what happens in Extraction 1? That would even be better, yeah. Okay, so I didn't want to put you on the spot, but... Yeah, so Chris Hensworth gets asked to do a job of getting somebody out of a location. True. Okay, obviously, okay, that's from the name. My guess is... It's complicated and True. things don't go according to plan because that's what makes things interesting. He teams up with the sister and the brother. Incorrect. Incorrect. Okay. What happens with the sister and brother? They don't really take part in the mission up until about the last 30 minutes. Of the first one? Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the woman actually appears more as a handler. They're, they're always having like phone conversations she's the mm. one who gets the missions she doesn't actually pick up a gun until the, the, the ending scene okay so in this set in the sequel she has a much bigger yeah. role yeah. 
the same thing with the the brother okay so is is this mission that he goes on just from what i gathered it seems like he sort of works alone so it's a one man's kind of job yeah he went in by himself in the first one so i'm assuming he saves the person but at the end he gets hurt yes uh a kid in india uh goes missing he gets kidnapped and uh it's a drug dealer's son and uh he's hired to get him from the rival drug dealer who Mm. stole them Mm. and obviously things don't go immediately correct and he spends the rest of the movie trying to get him to the extraction point um there's a mini scene with uh david harbour in the middle he ends up on this bridge in india and that's where he has to extract he's also having uh the situation with uh the the fathers hired a a guy to get him in he double crossed them for the money and now they're working together at the end only and uh he saves the kid and he gets shot and uh falls off the uh the bridge but there is a really good uh character study for him in the movie and a lot of themes about uh father and son and family also have a oneer in the first one it was like 17 minutes long really great action sequence so the one that they did in this one i think it's like 21 minutes it's crazy and it's even crazier it's exactly what a sequel should do how does that even work how do you even do an invisible cut basically what happens is traditionally uh this started around in the 60s alfred hitchcock did a movie called rope and uh it was 12 scenes about 8 minutes a piece and they did invisible cuts and what happens is similar to what happens on tiktok right now is you have something cross the frame past the camera and then while that's happening you mirror the same movement on the second camera mm. and you make a cut and it picks up from there okay. right you're basically just masking that cut cuz you, you wouldn't be able to see it at that speed and that's what's happening is every time someone's thrown across the camera that's the cut well i know action isn't your your strong yeah. suit but initial reactions i think it is a a, a very amazing action film i think it's one of the best action films this year yeah there are some really good themes here especially the idea of i like the the conversations between sandro the most annoying character in the sh- in the movie and uh tyler chris hemsworth character talking about what it means to be a father what it means to be a son and the relationship there and so i thought that was cool do they show a lot of tyler's son in the first movie very quick glimpses of like just so very th- similar to this yeah similar but less of his face that's what i'm saying like i think you see like the back of his head mm-hmm. and stuff like that so i'm assuming just chris hensworth like bond with this kid as he's trying to get him out mm-hmm. yeah okay you know it's good obviously the brother dying if you were shocked by that you're an idiot i mean the guy was shot like 10 times yeah nobody dies like dude it's it's um there's been a lot of this movie is nobody can shoot yeah especially the bad guys have you heard about ladder gate ladder gate no because there's one specific shot in this movie which had me laughing yeah. when it happened and i just didn't think of it i was like that's kind of stupid but then the entire internet is jumping on this this one shot it's the the train sequence okay and he has the big machine gun mm-hmm. and he's like shooting the helicopter from the 
he opens the door and he shoots the helicopter, right? But the helicopter shoots first, right? And he hides in the train car in full sight of the helicopter. Yeah. And he doesn't get shot. Now, do you know what he's hiding behind? No. A fucking ladder. A see-through ladder. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember seeing that exact thing and be like, that's not cover <laughs> at all. Like, I don't know about uh, weapons and tactics, but that is not cover. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, if, a helicopter, if a helicopter ever shot that many bullets into any room, any compartment, just the ricochet alone. Obliterated. <laughs> torn to shreds. There was, yeah. There's, there's openings in a ladder. Oh, the special effects, the gun effects were dog in this movie, right? Like, they're pretty bad. They're all digital. Yeah, I don't, I, 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 I guess I'm just getting so bored of these action movies that I just started, lot, like, I started just looking, what do the guns look like when they shoot? Let's <laughs> take a look at that. I was like, these are kind of bad. I didn't like, yeah, the helicopter bullets for sure look awful. I don't know if it's a major gripe or a minor gripe, but to add on to nobody dying, everyone can take excessive damage. Chris Hemsworth take, takes a brick to the back of his head, and he's just like, okay. Well, no, he took the damage. He stopped for five seconds. <laughs> Whoa. In D&D, that's, he's stunned for one turn. Though. Yeah, he got probably lost like five damage out of like 100. I mean, I thought it was cool that he was his his arms were on fire and he extinguished it by just punching people. I hate this episode already. I just don't care about this movie. <laughs> I just really don't care. What, all right, I'll say one thing. Here we go. Here's something else. I watched as the cop. Like at some point, I'm asking, like a building just got shot, like lit up by a helicopter. Police, where are you at? And of course, finally they show up, and I go, "Oh, you know what's gonna happen? This is gonna be the only thing the bad guys fucking hit." And of course, what do you know? Rocket launcher, boom! I was so annoyed. Like, why are the only people that die are the people who are like giving their lives on duty? Can't we just have the hero die once? What's my problem, Nick? I think your problem is that you need more than just mindless action. You need like some depth to it, and. Mm. I think the difference between this and John Wick is John Wick was probably like an hour and a half longer. So I think it added more mm. onto that. Like it, and it had maybe less characters. So you got more depth with them. Thanks for, thanks for doing my review for me though. I appreciate it. I got you. I got you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, no, it is a good, I think if you like action movies, you're obviously going to love this movie. I think it does a great job with all the scenes, the action sequences. Yes, I have to agree with that. Uh, some of the best that I've ever seen, especially, I mean, the prison scene alone. It went into a car chase. It went into the fa the factory. It went into the train. And then and then finally, it, like, kicked out. But still, there's so many scenes that you get out of that prison scene. So, obviously, I think it's fair to say that the favorite, the standout scene yeah. is the breakout scene, the, the prison escape kind of thing. But um, I think a better question to ask is what was the standout, like, fight or kill for you? Obviously, the fight with the dad in the prison, what he does to him. That, that I was, I did not expect that. There were so many times where my mouth dropped from a thing. Yeah. I think it was between maybe that one or when he was throwing a guy and then broke somebody else's neck with the guy he was throwing. 
it all blurs into one massive just that's what i'm saying if you say you're saying this out of context it sounds like an insane kind of thing because that that's kind of what these movies have to do they have to come up with creative ways for this to go down otherwise it's all basically the same thing i enjoyed the riot shield i like that he i don't know if you watched the whole action sequence but well obviously you did but he doesn't fire his machine gun that can wipe out lots of people really easily and he probably has bullets on him he doesn't shoot that until 10 minutes in well that that's another thing like in the first one um the the person so while he's trying to find this kid uh the drug lords they hire street kids to go find them and kill them and they give them guns and stuff like that and uh he gets into a fight chris hemsworth with this group of kids he does not once use his gun he's only like repelling their attacks and stuff like that and they're using guns on him um but he doesn't once fire and and the reason he gets shot off the bridge is because of the kid Mm. the kid that he let go and um so i think that adds to his character what i do like i think maybe you probably were thinking it during the prison sequence is they showed what happened what would happen if multiple people attacked john wick at the same time yes in this one they had like probably like five or six guys all attack chris hemsworth at the same time and you saw what kind of chaos that would be so i i think that they they have the leg up on that one yeah he does get damaged he does get hurt obviously none of it affects him but at least he gets hurt the greatest uh action sequence to me of all time will never be topped will never be beaten i don't care what they do what they can come up with uh nobody you ever seen that movie i haven't what no i haven't seen that one are you kidding me that is oh the greatest fight scene of all time on a city bus you want to talk about realism you want to talk about like the character getting hurt oh man you just you just gotta i'm so disappointed in you i can't do it for today i've seen too much extraction yeah anyway um so i'll i'll give you this one quick I feel like we, we've talked about this movie, and yet I feel like we've said nothing about it. So, um, what do you th- do you think it's better than the first one, or no? I think it's an improvement on the first one. Wow, okay. In, in all areas. I think cinematography, I think action, I think the pacing. Uh, if you could imagine it, there's more action sequences in this than the first one. Oh, I believe it. This is all action. It's nothing but. I do like our villain. Can I say that? Yeah. I like our villain. I think the villain's good. I feel fleshed out. It's definitely, like, justified. Like, you, you understand it. Uh, yeah, you understand. And it's really just, like, um, the intertwined themes of uh, family and what you do for it. Because Chris Hemsworth is not only trying to save this family, but basically he's trying to redeem himself for, for basically, like, what he views as stepping out on his son. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of people with lots of different motivations, personal reasons for what they're doing, why they're doing it. I did like that. So I... I yeah, I really liked just how they took a simple story with the dad telling the bad, like telling the two brothers, the bad guys, like, hey, you don't stop fighting for your brother until the very last drop of blood. And that keeps coming back. Even one of his own henchmen is like, dude, you can't, you can't be sending these people to their death. What are you doing? <clears throat> Excuse me. So to see that really play out all the way up until the end, to see him still try to, yeah, really good. Really like the villain here. Who do you think uh, stands out the most? actor wise 
I'm, I actually lean towards the mom, though, of the, of the kids. I liked her a lot. Don't know why, but I did. You've been rating a lot of moms uh, high on the, on the scale there. <laughs> um, obviously, I think Chris is yeah. clearly the standout, but if I had to pick someone other than him, yeah. I'm leaning towards the girl that played Nick. Mm. Especially since the first one kind of like had her in the background up until the very end and like you didn't even realize this girl can like shoot and stuff like that and now she's almost like at the same level as him mm. you know what i'd actually i do actually want to rescind my mom vote i do want to give it to the villain actor i liked him a lot because i felt like every scene that was an action and that didn't have him i didn't really care what are some gripes you have with this movie don't hold back I felt like a lot of things were predictable. Like, the girl showing up at the last second, them battling it out, Hemsworth obviously winning. I could, I mean, you could see it from a mile. They were setting it up that way, that the kid would call in the uncle, because that's the only way you can continue the story. What do you think about the ending? I'm like, it would be great if they... So there, when I was looking at the prison thing at the end, I'm like, oh wow, that that actually kind of makes um, that actually kind of makes sense that they would. Go I was to actually prison. so sup- I was like, that's the only thing that really made me question things. Like, I didn't care about the concrete, I didn't care about the fire, I didn't care about any of the things, I didn't care about how this girl got shot like ten times and she's still walking away. Like, I'm fine. Uh, I was just very confused why they were in jail, and then I realized, oh yeah, they're mercenaries, so they committed like a lot of crimes. Yeah, and so I was glad that they showed that. But I go, hmm, what, uh, are they just going to end with them being in prison and then Chris Hemsworth being like, don't worry, you haven't seen the end and it cuts? But then once he started talking to someone else, I'm like, oh, they're, somehow he's going to have a job that gets him out. So yeah, you can kind of see that coming. But I was, I was very happy that they went to prison. I was like, okay, cool, consequences, nice. He is talking to Idris Elba at the end, and he's saying that he wants them to join a team. Uh, do you have any predictions of where this is going? Well, Dick, clearly you do. I, I do not. I read an article. If this somehow ties into the Fast and Furious franchise, I will lose my shit. It's Hobbs. It's Hobbs. Oh, my. Maybe he works for the agency. Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody. But actually, I think I, I found it very refreshing that Chris Hemsworth... I don't know why we keep messing up Chris, but... um. Who's I, we? You, you botched it at least once. Really? Yeah. All right. Make, Make sure you keep it in the final. Gotcha. <laughs> Otherwise, it makes me look stupid. Yeah. Um, I find it really refreshing that Chris Hemsworth is playing someone that's not an idiot. Like, the mm-hmm. whole movie through, I was just like, I'm so happy he's not playing Thor in this. I mm-hmm. I don't want the, the, quitty, the, the witty quips. Yeah, yeah and I wasn't thinking Thor. Thor. So, so if he was, was doing this to break, break away from Thor, Thor and from Marvel... Marvel he did a great job because I'm not. It's just totally different. So kudos to him for playing a really serious character. And he did it pretty well. I was convinced. Yeah, I like it. All right, so uh, final thoughts and ratings? Uh, it's an action film. It's an action film. It's a good one. Great action sequences. A little predictable. You do get some time with our characters, though, and I appreciated that. I think there is some depth there. I just think he gets overshadowed by trying to be... On the same level as John Wick, and it does that. I think you'd be very happy to go see this film. It's a great, I think it's a great pick for Netflix right now. If you don't have anything to watch, definitely watch it. 
It's not a perfect movie for me because no action movies are, so I'm giving it a four. And for me, it's definitely an action movie, as JP said. It's top-tier action movie, though. I, I don't understand why they're just coming out with these on Netflix. They should be in a theater. I think it would play very well in there. Um, but I think, I think all the actors do a really good job, Chris Hemsworth especially. Um, I think the oneer alone sends it to the top five for me this year so far. Sure. We'll see. The stakes aren't really there. They're all over the place. But um, I'm going to give it a five out of five. I had a very fun time with it. I knew you were going to give it a five. I just knew it. Uh, not like this the way. I just, once the movie's over, I'm like, this is a five for Nick. This is a whatever for me. <laughs> I'm giving it a nice whatever, though, because it is, I can't, the, even if I don't like the genre, the film is very good. I just, the predictable parts. I want it to be shocked a little more, but that's what it is. So this is a good time for a commercial break. Afterwards, we will be talking about Big Trouble and Little China. We love our celebrities. We love to see them in films. We love to see them on television. We want something that we can remember them by, whether it's an autograph, a photo, or maybe even some fan mail. There's one area that has never been explored. It's their shit. That's right. We've been scooping out of toilets for the last year to finally present you with some of the world's finest peace day resistance. Maybe you're tired of taking a shit on Thor, Love, and Thunder and want to see what actual shit looks like. We've got it packaged nicely for you. We have teamed up with experts and absolute degenerates to get you the very best of the very best. There is no stopping us from grabbing shit stains from any wall or any corner of the universe as long as celebrity has done it. Whether it's the brown pebble stones of Jennifer Aniston's or the massive boulders of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, we have finally been able to deliver a product that not only feels like the real deal, it smells like it too. Each feces container comes in a wonderful brown paper bag. Collectibles, autographs, trust me, you don't want that shit. You're gonna want this shit. The shit that we're offering you is the shit. The actual, no, no, you don't, the shit. The literal, physical, fecal matter shit that you've been looking for. We have the best shit, the biggest shit, the smelliest shit, the real shit. Shit that can't be compared with anybody else's shit. They can shit talk us all they like on the internet, but shit is what we're known for. You'd have to be bat shit to think that our shit isn't the real shit. And trust me, we're doing it for the shits and the giggles. Celebrityshit.com. This podcast is powered and sponsored by Fort Way Media. Maybe you've got a small business. Maybe you want to make a podcast. Maybe you have a wedding or a big event coming up and you need someone to capture the moment perfectly, turn it into a cinematic experience, something that you'll want to capture and remember for for a lifetime. Fortway Media is the choice for you. Call us today. Check us out online at fortwaymedia.com or at fortway underscore media on Instagram to see all the work we're doing. Maybe we could be the right fit for you. Book us today at fortwaymedia.com. And we're back, and we're talking John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China, starring Kurt Russell, Kim Cattrall, Dennis Dunn, and James Hong. Big Trouble in Little China follows Jack Burton, a truck driver for the Pork Express, the Porkers. Pork Chop Express. Big Trouble in Little China follows Jack Burton, a.k.a. Kurt Russell, who drives the Porker Express, who drives... The Porker Express? Is it the Porker? Pork Chop Express. You've asked three times and you keep getting it wrong. I really like the name. Big Trouble in Little China stars Kurt Russell as Jack Burton, who drives the Pork Chop Express. He's a trucker. After making a delivery, he goes to do some gambling with some of his gambling associates' friend, one in particular, Wang. After Wang loses double or nothing and Jack wants to get paid, 
when he promises the money as soon as they pick somebody up from the airport. Jack does not trust him, so they take a ride together to the airport to find Wang's love interest. When a local gang of punks from Little China kidnap her and take her away. Kurt Russell and Wang drive together to Little China's back alleys where an adventure starts, it begins, and things get weird. And that's my big trouble. Dude, I, I'm so out of it today. <laughs> that is big China little trouble. That's all I've been saying. <laughs> big China little trouble. <laughs> Consider it took you five takes to get pork chop express, <laughs> dude. I I don't know. All right, I'll I'll lead you into this. Sure. So, um, initial thoughts. What are what are we thinking? I have no idea how to feel about this movie. Genuinely, the most perplexed I felt after movie, and I watched Tenet. So damn. Well, I have a hot take for you. Okay. And this is specifically for you. For me. For you. Yeah, because this relates to another discussion we've had before. So take Big Trouble in Little China. Okay. And get rid of all the action sequences. Okay. Get rid of all the comedy. Okay. Take the main character, change uh, Kurt Russell into a woman. Okay. Maybe even a younger one, like a girl. Sure. And make it animated. And instead of getting his truck back, he's getting his parents back. She. And you have the movie that perplexed me. Because the only difference between these movies is that Big Trouble in Little China spelled out everything that was happening with exposition, and the other one did not. Okay. But, I mean, it's a nice comparison, I'll give you that. But there's no... I, it was a shower thought yesterday. <laughs> I mean, I have some disagree disagreeing points here. And for those who haven't been following the podcast, just to spell that out uh, easier... I'm relating Big Trouble in Little China to Spirited Away. There are some elements of being whisked away, I agree. That the alley was the same as the uh, the entrance to the... Yeah, but they're the, fighting somebody. That's what I'm saying. You gotta take yeah. out the action. But I, I like that being whisked away to a magical world. Yes. But definitely, it's random. That So this is what I'm saying. Is that Big Trouble in Little China is a movie that I've grown up with. I've watched it probably since the first grade and I love it. So you can only guess where my rating is going to go later. Oh, but okay. um, for for me, I felt like the biggest hypocrite in the world when watching it, uh, rewatching it this week. Like everything that JP uh, might hate about this one is what I hated about Spirited Away, which yes. is the randomness of things and that I needed more things to be explained. And that's that's where I'm coming from, is that I feel like that sense of not knowing and especially the the chaos of probably like um how asian culture depicts like different things um action wise and like just really stylistically that didn't uh work with me for spirited away worked with me here yeah japanese culture versus chinese culture here chinese being for big trouble little china yeah that's why i said asian because i know they're two different cultures it was confusing it was kind of fun though like, it was... At some point, I realized, okay, this is supposed to be funny. Some background. Well, maybe before some background, you tell me what confused you. I mean, we drive into an alley that's like, the truck is way too big for this alley. <laughs> that, that's funny. And then all of a sudden, there's just we just happen to stumble upon a street gang. And our characters literally don't do anything for 10 minutes, but sit in their car while Jack Burton holds a knife. <laughs> like, 
So nothing's happening. And then they're like, ah, we should probably just get out of here. Okay. So that whole scene seemed ridiculous and like so pointless. And then all of a sudden, these guys drop down from the sky and just have powers for no reason. <laughs> they just show up. And I'm like, what? And I remember watching it. Now, we, Kristen and I and tried you, to... you've seen this before? No. No. So this is the first time you're watching yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. First time watching it, I'm like, what is this movie? I go, Kristen, do you see what's happening? And she goes, yeah. Did I miss something? I'm like, I don't think we did. It just, they're here. I actually fell asleep watching it. So I had to watch it again. It's not even a long movie either. No, I was just really tired. I tried to crank, you know, wanted to get it out, but was able to pick it up and actually watch it with a lucid mind. Yeah, it's just, it's all over the place. And all of a sudden it stops being this like, what you think is going to be this gang sort of like fighting criminal movie of like rescue and becomes this almost fantasy, whimsical, like adventure movie. Like it almost feels like a fantasy movie. Like, you know, going into a castle and... So, some quick background. Yeah. Uh, this was made by John Carpenter. Do you know who that is? That's the guy who made the thing. Yes. So, your boy. Um, but he also made Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, Prince of Darkness, Vampires. So, he has a lot of fantasy elements or monster elements because that's obvious in all of his, yeah. Yeah, he has a lot of roots in fantasy, um, lots of action films, uh, lots of suspense, monster creature films. And all that you can see bleeding through this. But what you also see is a love for uh, genre films in particular. And this was meant to be a spoof of action and kung fu films. And it kind of does that. I don't know if it always does it perfectly, but it does. It's It satirizes it. And uh, going off of your point earlier when you said you don't know if... You, you wouldn't say that Kurt Russell is the main he's, character? He, in my opinion, he's not. Who do you think is the main character? Wang. Yes. Now, that was done on purpose because uh, originally, like, John Carpenter was a little bit ahead of his time, and some people argue that he wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, He was going off of the trope of, like, oh, the all-American white character is is, uh, our protagonist, and he has his uh, sidekick minority, and that's how they conquer the bad guys. And he wanted Kurt Russell's character to be a blubbering idiot who couldn't really, you know, take on all these people by himself and knows nothing and is constantly out of the the loop of things. And, like, at the beginning of one uh, fight sequence, Kurt Russell uh, shoots his gun, one of which that he didn't even know how to use in an earlier scene, and shoots the ceiling, and then the ceiling comes crashing on him and knocks him out for, like, half the fight. Like, that was done on purpose. Yeah, because it seems like Wang actually knows what he's doing, is a big fighter, like, you could take Kurt Russell out of this movie, and it's a story of, like, Chinese-American culture and, like, Chinese mysticism and spiritualism and how a young Chinese man is trying to balance between the old traditions and the new way of life and dealing with crime that's involved. Yeah, Kurt Russell is really there just to have someone to explain things to. Yeah. So he's, like, the audience looking in. And then for comic relief, he's not technically the hero, but he is... The hero in the hero's position. Yeah, and I, I don't know how you felt about this movie, but I was like, I'm so glad I'm watching a movie about like Chinese culture that I really don't know anything about. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm learning something here. And from what I read and afterwards about this movie, because more than I, definitely this movie interested me. 
I think there's a lot there's a lot of weird things going on, so I just have lots of questions afterwards. And the more I talk about it, the more I think I like it. It's a quirky kind of film. It's not yeah. something that um, I think people would be go searching for. It's something that's passed on to you. It has very much a cult following. And the thing with John Carpenter movies is most of them bombed. A lot of them are cult classics. And only uh, later on did they get their, you know, they're just desserts in terms of people saying like, oh, wait, this we, we passed on a good movie. And now people are looking back at things. Uh, he also did They Live. You ever seen that one? I've heard of that movie. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a big one for um, uh, propaganda and uh, subliminal message. Is that the guy who wears sunglasses the whole movie? Yeah. I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah, the sunglasses he puts on and then the rest of the world, he can see what they really are, which is like a bunch of aliens trying to control us, that kind of thing. Mm. So a lot of sci-fi elements, a lot of uh, fantasy elements. And I think that's something that I miss being in our action movies somewhat. And I like the goofiness of the Kung Fu films. Um, I feel like this could have been like the springboard for things like Shaolin Soccer and Kung Fu Hustle. Mm. Up until a certain point, the effects actually hold up. Yeah. Yeah. This is by far one of the strangest movies I've ever watched. And what's interesting is um, one of the characters, the reporter, I don't know if you caught this line at one point, but she likened the story that she's involved in right now because it's like talking about what's happening. Um, she calls it an Allison, Alice in Wonderland yes. kind of situation. I that, yeah. And I feel like that's where the spirited away things started clicking in my head where it's like, it's supposed to be this weird and crazy ride because they literally drive through an alley and then once they pass through this alley, now they're in a different world. And it's like saying that little China in itself is a, is a whole world into its own. Yeah, and you're like lost there. There's like, I'm, at any point I'm just like, where are we right now? I have no idea. And they idea. travel literally to the undergrounds yeah. of what is to be New York, uh, San, San Francisco. Pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. Favorite scene, I always cracked up during the uh, secret, uh, the super potion yeah. sequence. Because uh, I was just like, feeling great. <laughs> just stellar. <laughs> like, awesome. uh, Kurt Russell could talk and I could laugh about so many different things. Um, but I think for me, I would say the airport sequence was always a really cool sequence to me. I think the music of John Carpenter really uh, vibes with me. I love the synth pop kind of uh, music, but uh, definitely the ending, the the fight sequence is definitely a really cool uh, scene for me. I like when he opens the door and then let's go do this and then shuts the door. I feel like, I don't know, that movie is so old. I feel like maybe it was like the first time it was done. It probably wasn't, but it just it was just nice. Like, yeah, that's pretty funny. I think, I, yeah, I just like when Kurt Russell was just hanging out, being a goof. So, like, the situational humor. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. I hate to say this, I thought Kim Cattrall was not great in this movie. Am I wrong? I mean, she's not a pivotal point. Yeah. Like, she doesn't have, like, a great arc. I don't, I don't think there is an actor. Was kinda, uh. I don't think this is the acting movie. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, her character is really much just kind of there to help move along the story but doesn't really add too much to it she does get captured obviously at that point but it's uh it is the 80s and it is somewhat of a it's a spoof while also giving into some of the tropes so i don't think you can dance around like yeah they do the damsel in distress times two 
I would almost encourage people, like, go see it to see, like, how strange it is. Now, we talked about villains in our last episode. What do you think about Lopan? I kind of like that he's this guy who's just got his thing to do, and Kurt Russell and the crew kind of are just annoying him. He's like, I just got this thing. I really just want to become human and have flesh again. So it doesn't seem like he's evil for the sake of being evil. He's got some of his own motivations. He's trying to accomplish he's, something. Because he's cursed. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. So I, I like that part. And it seems he always has an edge on our heroes. Like, he definitely feels like the smartest guy in the room in every scene right up until the end. But I think a character that stands... I, I just really like Wang a lot. I think he's my... Yeah, I like Wang. What's wrong with that? I think you can like Wang all you want. I'm, I love Wang. I, I'd hang out with Wang. I'd put my hands on Wang. I'm not a big Wang guy, but that, that's all you. Okay. That's fine. I thought you were better than that. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I just like Wang. I don't know what to tell you. Really like him. I appreciate Wang. Yeah. But uh, I'm definitely. <laughs> now hearing you say it, I get it why you were laughing. I could appreciate him, the character. But um, I can't help but love Kurt Russell's character like so much for just being an idiot. And ironically, after watching pairing it with a movie where I enjoy Chris Hemsworth not being an idiot. Duality, man. Have you ever seen um, From Dust Till Dawn? No. Okay, so I'm going to spoil it real hard right now. Okay. Directed by Robert Rodriguez, written by Quentin Tarantino, mm-hmm. 90s. It has, stars your boy George Clooney mm-hmm. and Quentin Tarantino. Basically, both of them are criminals, and they're on the run, and they hijack a RV with Harvey Keitel in it and his, and his two kids. And they have to go stay at this uh, saloon kind of uh, restaurant kind of place, a uh, club. Okay. And it's in, like... It's on the border uh, between America and uh, and uh, Mexico. And they have to stay there from dusk until dawn. And at dawn, there'll be a transport for them to get over the border. It takes an hour of the movie's runtime for them to get to this, uh, this border hangout. And they're just chilling there and everything else. Because they're developing characters on the way there. And about an hour and ten minutes in uh all the dancers the exotic dancers in the club turn into vampires and it's a it's a dungeon for vampires that's being masked as a a nightclub what a left turn yeah what a and that's what i feel like this movie is kind of like where it just tosses you in saying this is an action movie and and they show you like people fighting and stuff like that in the trailer yeah, I just very deceiving and then once you get there you get dragged into this fantasy world and that's what i see this being and i honestly i like movies like that uh because too often or not at least nowadays you go to the movies you see a trailer you know exactly what you're gonna get yeah so i like a movie that can surprise me in the movie yeah we've mentioned it before the idea of just not like not enough fantasy or whimsicalness in movies so i kind of like that this very much felt like the 80s and 90s where i felt like a lot of movies were about fantasy and more like getting transported to somewhere else 
So when I thought Big Trouble in Little China, I I was really thinking like, well, he paired it with Extraction, so maybe it's just going to be this Kurt Russell has to go save somebody in, which he does. It's not wrong. They have to get somebody out. Um, but yeah, to combine like, you know, the God of Thunder and Lightning and all this other stuff and rain and wind and have like a floating head with a bunch of eyes on it. Just if in case you've never seen the movie, that's what happens. Like I also read somewhere that they thought this movie was racist somehow, and I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I, yeah, they said that the depicting of uh, of Chinese people was messed up. I'm just like, wow. Oh, just oh, maybe um maybe the House of Women. It's a prostitution house. What what's so racist about it? I think because they're saying like. They're putting that on Chinese culture or something like that. That's the only thing I could see. No, I mean, as far as I can tell, men will sleep with just about any woman from any background and any culture. So, now listen, if they, you know, if you walk into the Chinese prostitution house and there's somebody behind the counter going, hi, do you want a fortune cookie? I'd be like, all right, what the fuck's up with that? Why is there a fortune cookie in the, in the whore house? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry, sex worker house. I apologize. I don't know if we can use this clip at all, but I need the soundbite of you saying, why is there a fortune cookie in this whorehouse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I want to turn that into like a colloquial <laughs> phrase. Like anytime something goes wrong, be like, why is there a fortune cookie in the whorehouse? Like, <laughs> That's so good. Why is there a fortune cookie in the whorehouse? Oh, you're right. That's a line. I don't, that's we gotta write that, that in the script. Somehow. That's our next sticker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Vista Prince is gonna allow us. Hey, uh, what's with the? I saw on your laptop. What's with the? Uh, what's, why is there a fortune cookie in the warehouse? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> that's a great question. We we all wonder why there's a fortune cookie in the warehouse. Nick, what do you think this movie? Final ratings. I mean, are there any other talking points? It's a wild movie. There's so much I think you could say about it. It's not uh it's not normal. It's so many things could be said. It's a weird one. I really think you kind of need to watch it. You kind of don't. But if you do, I think you just need to be prepared that you're you might feel lost. But I think in the end, especially after the second once you get to the half second half of the movie, it really becomes this kind of questy almost feels like fantasy uh you know, hunting, you know, saving somebody, but hunting for sort of like an item, even though there isn't one, but it's got this fantasy quest that I really like about it, and it's the second half of this movie, and somehow, and I was originally giving this movie a one or two, I think I've, I'm going to give it a three, uh, despite my best efforts to, like, not want to give it a good one, the more I think about it, it's like, this movie is doing something, and I'm so lost, but I'm still willing to give it a three, because I think once you understand it, yeah, I understand it more now. I'm going to give it a three. And mine may or may not come to a surprise. Yeah. It may be a surprise it's, or it's not. It's a five, Nick. It's a five. I grew up with this movie. Nostalgia yeah. lenses on. Um, I love action movies. I love kung fu movies. I love spoof movies. I love fantasy movies. My only gripe with this movie may be that I didn't get a big trouble in Little China too. <laughs> Did you really just say that? Yeah, I, it would be interesting. I'll be honest. If they came out with the second one, I think I'd watch it. 
just to know where the hell they're going with this. That's what I'm saying. So I'm going to give it a five out of five. It's a it's a five day for me. Yeah, it's an easy three. Watch it if you want. Don't if you don't. That's it. I think it's just a fun movie, um, particularly if you're if you love the '80s. It, this is '80s, yeah. It's very '80s, and I think if you love all those genres that I that I mentioned, if you're a fan of like old school kung fu kind of movies, I think this is right up your alley. And I feel like you're not one of those people. I Maybe know. your mom might probably has she seen it have you talked to her about no i haven't asked her her thoughts on the movie i don't think she's seen the movie trust me she knew something about wang she would tell me yeah this has been another episode of take 303 thanks so much for watching this episode's question is what is the strangest film you ever watched please tell us reply to the question tell us why and this episode's poll question is, who is Idris Alba's character? Who is their boss? Is it Mr. Nobody, G.I. Joe, Optimus Prime from the Transformers, The High Table from John Wick, or Nick Fury from Marvel? We'd love to hear and know what you think, so make a vote. Please follow us on Instagram at Fortway underscore media and on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you happen to listen to us. Thanks. Have a good one.